Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed, please pause just now and subscribe and do rate me as well. It helps others discover this podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah, that's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Oko. When I'm not doing my day job in communications, I facilitate a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. Today, we're talking about misinformation and disinformation and how you can play your part in curbing fake news. Just because you read it on Facebook or somebody's blog or in an email from a friend or relative doesn't mean it's true. My guest is Alphonse Shiundu, who is the country editor for Africa Check in Kenya. Alphonse is an award-winning author, journalist and editor who has worked in Kenya's mainstream media houses, specifically the Nation Media Group, the Standard Group, for a total of 12 years before joining Africa Check in 2017 to set up and run the Nairobi office. He has expertise in fact-checking research, open-source intelligence, digital multimedia journalism, development communication, and publishing technologies. Welcome everyone to No Head Podcast. My guest today is Alphonse Shiundu, editor of Africa Check in Kenya and East Africa. And I'm really thrilled to have him on the show. Welcome, Alphonse. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Right. And before we begin, we normally just do a breathing exercise to get us settled. It's early in the morning and just bring us to this state of present awareness. Will you join me? So what we do is we just take a deep breath to a count of five, hold to a count of two, and then release slowly to a count of five. And we will do that three times. Right? Okay. Uh, Trust me, nothing weird. (laughs) All right. So let's begin. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. And now let your breathing return to its normal rhythm. Just breathing in and out, not controlling anything. Just letting your breath be. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Before we begin, one of the questions I ask people is, how was 2020 for you, COVID, and what are some of the lessons that you've learned? 2020 was insane in, in a terrific way. So we were doing a lot of work and because the transition to working from home was sort of new and we're getting to start working from home and we are doing a lot of work. So we, we do not know when to break from the work cycle. So a lot of us were getting overworked. A lot of us were getting a lot more tired. And at some point, we had just to stop and recalibrate and see, okay, this is what we, we've been doing for since March. We're saying, so this is July when we're taking stock. And we're seeing uh, we still have half a year. If we keep at this pace, we may not get to the end. And there was this um, flux of misinformation around COVID-19. And... It was part of why we exist as Africa Check to fact check that timely, because this was a matter of life and life and life and death on one hand. So all those fake prescriptions that were online, all those uh, official statements by public figures telling people to do basic things like what, drink alcohol or um do they have all steaming to clear their airways and the calls about vaccination, not to vaccinate or whether to take a vaccine? All those things like came together and we had no option. Like even if we wanted to go slower, there was no room for that. So we had so much to do and we had to do it quickly. So towards the last quarter of the year, a lot of people were catching up about what we call now the infodemic. Like it's a pandemic and it's an information pandemic uh, where we have a lot of misinformation around the pandemic. So we had to train more people about why this was important and give them the skills to do the fact-checking by themselves. And alongside our database of what is correct and what is incorrect and just point them to tools that can make their life better and may reduce how they are likely to be affected by the misinformation 2020 was was it was crazy so like it went it went in a blur so by the time it was getting to december there was nothing even to celebrate because we were still locked Tell us a bit about Africa Check. I know Africa Check because we have worked together, but many people don't know about Africa Check and what you do and why this was the most uh, hectic time for you as an organization. Africa Check is really a fact-checking organization. So that usually sounds complicated to most people, like what's fact-checking. So it's just the people who try to find out the truth about statements and claims made by public figures and decide using the most recent, the latest um, publicly available evidence to say that this is the correct information and this is these are the facts around it. So we not we do not try to claim that we are arbiters of truth, 
we just point people to where the facts are how they color those facts and how those facts uh, inform their thinking, that's up to them. But we give, we try as much as possible to give them, this is the correct information. So if you're going to make a decision about anything regarding your personal life, professional life, regarding policy, uh, this is what you need to know uh, about this issue. So that is essentially what Africa Check does. And we do this not just in in Kenya, but we in four countries. So our HQ is in South Africa, but we also in Nigeria and in Senegal and in Kenya. So we try to also reach out to people in languages they understand. And uh, that means a lot of misinformation could be going out in Kiswahili in East Africa region. So we try to do Kiswahili uh, debunking uh, reports. In South Africa, Zulu is also widely spoken, so we do Zulu. In West Africa, uh, in the region for Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Liberia, there's a lot of pidgin. Mm -hmm. So we do it in pidgin. And then uh, we do it in Wolof for Senegal, the Gambia. So we we trying to get into spaces, meeting people where they are and showing them what misinformation is. So it's, in a nutshell, that is... Africa check and what they do. So it's just setting the record straight, giving people about the facts, keeping the public debate honest. So right. those uh, three things are very, very important. You, you talked about the skills that you are trying to give people during the pandemic, just to make sure that people have the information, the right information and what they do with it. What are some of the skills that people can have? Because we know that misinformation is happening all the time. So this misinformation is happening all the time, but the basic skills are the critical thinking skills. So it's it's the basic questions we ask ourselves, we ask ourselves every time we see something. Some people do not ask, they would just want to share, they want to retweet. But the most fundamental question is: how do I know this is true? Like, how do I know what I know? Like, how how can I prove this? So the question somebody, before we share, we usually just tell them to stop, reflect a bit, verify that information. And if they are sure it's something worth sharing, uh, then they can do that. So the first question we usually say is, ask yourself, who's the source of this information? Who's sending it out? And... Is that source in a position to know that this information is accurate? So once you know what the source is, sometimes you may not know what the source is and you really like, you're triggered, your fingers are itching, you want to right. retweet, you want to share it. So you don't know the source. So just ask yourself, how can I prove this? So what's the proof? Uh, once you find a publicly available proof, we also like have a sort of fact sheet that allows people to verify whether it's breaking news, whether it's a scientific publication, like pointers to show you that, oh, this is a legit scientific publication, or this is a fake or a phony or a dubious uh, scientific publication. Right. So we, we show them like the, there's, there's this checklist that they can use to find out whether uh, they, they, what they want to cite as proof is actually something 
that they ought to be using. So it's it's that kind of stuff that we do. So you ask yourself, what's the source? What's the proof? Is the proof credible? And once you're sure, then you ask yourself, do I really have to share it? Most of the time, we really don't usually have to share information. Like if we don't share, what would happen uh, right. if you do not if you do not share? But sometimes this we realized with COVID is somebody will see a prescription uh, with a letterhead from an Indian hospital with a doctor's signature and a rubber stamp, which says right. that uh, take these tablets um, for you to prevent or for you to cure COVID-19. They would be sharing it because they, they're thinking, mm, I want to keep my relatives safe. So let me share it with my family, wherever they are. Uh, when the time comes, uh, should they get sick? At least they are one step ahead. But do they know that prescriptions are individual? Like somebody is first assessed by a doctor mm-hmm. and then the doctor knowing their medical history then decides, oh, these are the drugs that would work for you. So if you share a prescription and you th- you claim that it is universal for everyone to prevent uh, COVID-19, uh, that is inaccurate, it's misleading, and it can cause real harm to people. So it's the kind of health misinformation that we just tell people, you you might want to share, but if you're not, uh, if you don't ask those questions, right. you might endanger the life of someone. So it's uh, we we think uh, we say they are information literacy or media literacy skills. They're very important to stop or sort of inoculate people mm. against passing passing body information or unverified information. So that's. Uh, pretty much. So the skills, apart from the critical thinking and media literacy skills that we pass around, we also show people just how to check the facts. Right. So, for example, we do, if somebody has uh, something they want to pass around, say, a picture or a video, we show them how they can do something as simple as a reverse image search on their mobile phone uh, or on their desktop uh, to just check is this correct or is this incorrect and has do does this video exist before or does it not exist before some of the videos or images that are used for misinformation are usually very low quality and so it becomes really difficult to verify unless you can get the original footage Right. And a lot of the merchants of misinformation do this deliberately. So they can create a video and tamper with the quality and put it out there so that some, some of the items in them are not visible. Their job is to sow doubt. So whether it's true or not, uh, does not matter to them. As long as people do not know where the facts are, people put out whatever they are putting out and by the time we come back with the facts or whatever, their job is done. They have moved on to the next uh, to the next item that they want to put across. I like what you talked about the media literacy and asking the question: Should I forward? But what happens in 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 the dark web and in WhatsApp? You know, in our WhatsApp groups, because I think that's where a lot of the misinformation happens. 
they need, some people don't even read, they receive and share and, and they receive and just share and they don't ask yeah. the question, do I really need to share? And sometimes it's, is it because it's funny or whatever reason it isn't? But so people just keep sharing. Is there a way in which you found out in dealing with many other countries? Is this this human thing to want to share all the time? And is there a way of curbing it? You know, as you've worked across Africa, are you seeing it increase or decrease? Are there certain seasons when it almost gets out, like, you know, like last year with the pandemic? Yes, the urge to share is like always there, mainly around things that would trigger uh, emotions. So like politics, it's usually very ripe for that. Uh, The pandemic and the vaccine misinformation, things that we have been controversial since a long time ago. Now, those ones usually trigger a flurry of misinformation. Then we also have the events, news events. For example, last week and the week before, we were seeing a lot of false information around the South African wow. violence in, in response to Zuma's jail, jailing. Uh, if we could call it that. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And we're seeing this and it's circulating on WhatsApp. So what we realized, and I think this was around 2019, late 2019, is we were doing an experiment, say from 2018, where we would see misinformation on WhatsApp, but we were wondering how do we get into that space? Because it's very private. If you're not in a group, you miss out. You don't know the kind of false information that is circulating. And that's the danger, isn't it? Because no one can get in. That's the biggest danger for that. And so as we're sitting there, we decide, okay, uh, why don't we give people a WhatsApp number? So if they see something on WhatsApp and they want to share it, why don't they share it with us? And we would say whether that thing is legit or ah. it's inaccurate, yes. Right. And then we will respond to them and then they can comfortably share it. So we launched something called What's Crap on WhatsApp, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially stuff that is shared on WhatsApp is sent to us and every week we put out a broadcast uh, about the fake things that were circulating on WhatsApp the past week. So that gives us a lot of time to fact check uh, the items and just notify people that, oh, if you saw this on WhatsApp last week, uh, it's either true or it wasn't true. Or And we put that out every week. Then we realize now in the countries like, for example, Kenya, some of the things that are sent on WhatsApp are prominently shared on Facebook. and then they are somebody gets it off WhatsApp, puts it on Facebook, and takes the screenshot from Facebook and reshares it on WhatsApp. So there is this kind of uh, looping cyclic right. thing where it's coming from both sides. And so we created a broadcast which is called Fact on Facebook. So we pick, we check everything on WhatsApp and we check everything on Facebook and we pick the like five of those items 
and we put we put them out uh, every week, like every Monday at nine in the morning, so that uh, if somebody has spent the weekend uh, feeding on false misinformation, they are coming for a detox or a jab, uh, telling them, oh, this is the reality. What you saw was false information, and these are the facts around it. So just quick links and uh, from our WhatsApp number. Okay. Uh, so the WhatsApp number for Kenya is plus two five four seven two nine. Three zero five six five zero. We usually get weird requests. Uh, there's somebody, I think, it, last year around October, who got in touch and was like, "My aunt keeps sending stuff, uh, and this is the kind of stuff." I know it's false because I follow you guys and you've debunked it not once, many times. But she insists that this is what. To be done. Can you just do a fact check? Like, just do a summary for me, mm. which I can then I can then forward. Because mm. every time I tell her, she is like, "And how do you know? Why should we? Why should I believe you? Like, <laughs> are you an authority?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like, so I would we, we would just create uh, short uh, infographics and then send links to scientific papers or what uh, WHO briefs. And we will also send the briefs themselves to that person. And so after some time, he said they aren't stopped, but they asked now for her to send, now she sends with a disclaimer um, <laughs> as, as received. So... <laughs> Yeah, but it's a relative, so they they have no. Right. He has no way of 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 like stopping her from uh-huh. sharing the misinformation. But the rest of the family members are now more alert and aware uh-huh. that they should not take everything that comes uh, from her unless now this guy is now the fact checker of the family. So right. sometimes he's asked, "Is this true?" And luckily, we have about 500, 600 fact checks that we did around COVID-19. So chances are that whatever he's sharing, we might have debunked it in whichever country we are in. So he would definitely see it. I I like that. The as as received is also a very almost harmless, um, don't hold me responsible, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm forwarding it. And this is for people who write that is received. Like, do you really need to share it? If you're having the disclaimer is received, it means that you're also not very sure of the sources. So should you share or should you just hold your hands and fingers and not press the forward button? That you shouldn't share. Okay, this is, let me not be prescriptive. Right. Because if if you look at the very nature of social media, there is engagement. So there there has to be engagement. And you're receiving content and somebody has sent it to you or to a group. So you have to engage with that content somehow. Now, if your engagement for that content will either be calling for evidence to support it or vetting it for accuracy, then that is useful engagement. But if your job is just to share as an automaton, like it comes in, you like it, you share, then that is something 
that is not useful. The other thing we tell people is the merchants of information, they would send us receipts. So there are ways in which misinformation is packaged and they are not intent on, on, they have a bigger vision of the kind of narrative they want to build. And we're seeing this with health misinformation. So the anti-vaxxers, when they are putting out something subtle, like if you put a magnet on your vaccinated site, the magnet will stick. So you do not know whether they are being illusionists or magicians who would put coins on their faces and the, the coins stick. But you, they, they just put that video out. I was vaccinated. And if I put a magnet here, it sticks. What most people would do would share that video, but they would not ask themselves, how sure am I this guy was vaccinated? Right. Number two, because uh, everything you know about that video and the coin, and it's them telling you, have they dubbed the coin with some glue or, fat or, or saliva or liquid that then when you put in your body, it sticks? We don't know that. And what we established is somebody went to uh, one of our fact-checking colleagues or in, in, in the US, saw this video, and from the video, he could tell the location of this toe, uh, where this person said he had gone, bought a magnet, and now was sticking to the um, and he said he was take, he had taken a Pfizer vaccine or something like that. So this guy goes, buys the same magnet in the same store, speaks uh, to the attendant, puts it on the vaccination site, it doesn't mm -hmm. stick. So sometimes we have to recreate uh, the stuff. We saw something where somebody was saying that if you eat bananas and eggs, you'll have trouble with your digestion. And our editor decided, okay, he's gonna eat the banana and the boiled egg and see what happens. <laughs> And so sometimes you just have to meet fire with fire, like show, okay, this is what you did. We followed the same steps. Uh, it's not true. And then you go now, after you do that, then you go for the scientific evidence. Now, in the case of the magnet, it's using a ferromagnet, which would touch on uh, anything with iron. And so when you put... Uh, for some, for a magnet to stick to something, there is a physicist told us there has to be a certain uh, weight or grammage uh, where the magnet would stick, and for that to happen, then it would need you, it's something you can actually feel, like a grain uh, where it was right. put. But the people doing this are not interested in that sense. All they are doing, they are picking all that old uh, conspiracy theories about everybody would have a microchip inserted into them. And then, so they're starting with the magnet. And then from that magnet, they want you to fill in the dots because they have already fed you with the old conspiracy theories about the vaccine being a, uh, a vehicle or a ruse for microchip in to microchip every human being so it's it's those things and we try to talk about the narratives and tell people mm -mm, these are the facts around it and sometimes we go as far as showing them these are the ingredients that went into making the vaccine right. none of them is metallic 
And so we just uh, show them that. I, I like that. And that leads me to the next question. And we talked about this on the phone. The, the video that went viral of the do the guys, you know, in their motorbikes and s- snatching the phone from the traffic cop who was doing his duty. And I know I saw it. I was shocked. I was like, wow. And I kept telling people who sent it, but can't we see the registration of the Ndudi guy? And can't we follow anyone? Just like, no, this happened. I tell you, there's no hope in this country. And then the cops, the OCPD said, no, it's not true. This is fake news. How do people go about verifying that? Because that that video really circulated on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And is it so? Was it true? Did you get to uh, fact check that? video we we are stuck to the point where we we are trying to find out the person who shot it right uh you using using open source intelligence tools so that we we trace the original video and then from that point we can because we, we don't want to go against the police and tell them no it's actually <laughs> right. true or it's not, right. <laughs> or we side with them and we don't have the evidence to back it up so right. it's still we it's it's taking a, a little bit more time that we anticipated right. and this is this is what i alluded to by design the video quality is so low no, so right. that even if even if you're freezing the frames you cannot like capture the number plate of the motorbike and the other thing is the way the video is presented so you have this narrative that these people know so they know in security in Nairobi it's a perennial story right but two they know that police communication there something would happen and then they would deny so like the praying on the trust deficit of the police officers and of the police institution, so that even if the police deny, uh, somebody asks you, did you expect ex- expect them to say, yeah, we were robbed? Right. <laughs> so there are, so they are all those aspects, coloring whoever posted the video, so that if it's true, then it's huge. Right. But if it's false, there is doubt. Like if it's false and you say it's false, there is doubt. People do not believe that it's you, you, you're actually telling the truth. So unless we have irrefutable evidence that somebody comes and says, I shot the video, right. it happened on this place, on this road. And if we can say the official open source for facial recognition software that we can use and like if we can get that and hopefully it captures the some of the faces of the people, and we can verify that they were actually at that place at that time, then that would be much, much easier to now go against the police and say, oh, the police are right, it's actually false, or the police are wrong, this is actually fake news. But up to this point, we haven't been able to do that because it's taking it's taking a little bit more time. It's painstaking, right. uh, but we, we, we've just, uh, we keep trying. Uh, to see where we end, we end up with it. Thank you. That's that, that's really helpful. And of course, people said oh, the police were saying that because it actually does corrode the confidence. So the trust is so yes. low, and then now you feel like we are living in anarchy. There's no there's no one to protect us. What are the closing words, advice to people, even as we go into 
elections next year, I think in many other countries in Africa as well. And as the pandemic continues, that information, uh, misinformation still happens. So as, as, a, as an individual, uh, people should just ask those five questions. What's the source? Is the source in a position to know? Is there proof? What's the proof? And is the proof credible? And you just ask, uh, lastly, do I really have to share it? Now, that will really help you as a person uh, to, to vet information bef- uh, on that. The other thing is there are all these guides and freely available tools on the internet. Uh, some of them are, are available on the phone to do reverse image search. So if you see a picture, uh, say, of policemen and a lady dressed in a hoodie and people say, oh, that's the cop who killed herself, that she had handed herself to the police before she appeared dead. So it's stuff like that. You can just search and then you realize, oh, this was much, much longer before. And the context has been falsified, for example, in this case, uh, to generate a certain narrative. So we have guides on our website, www.africachat.org, where people can go and and simply uh, see what tools they can use for themselves and how to use those tools. Then there is the other thing. Elections are coming up and election season in Kenya and in most uh, places uh, in the continent. If 2017 showed us anything is that false information can be weaponized as a political campaign tool. And politicians are in it for power. They are going to try and do this and they will do this. So it's almost a guarantee it's going to happen. So we're seeing false newspaper front pages going around. So before you you decide whether a newspaper front page is legit or not, then just check with the newspapers. It is unhelpful for now that some of the newspapers have paywalls which make it difficult for people to verify whether the information was really published by the newspaper or not. But around a way of getting into that is to just check their Twitter handles. Most newspapers in Kenya uh, would post their daily front page on their Twitter handles. And we've seen crazy stuff where a newspaper publishes something, the fake uh, newspaper front page uh, is also there. The newspaper or the media house dismisses the fake one, actually stamps it as fake and puts it side by side with the legit one. And the merchants of false information turn it around. They stamp the authentic as fake and the fake one as legit. And so it's it's something which we tell media houses, we tell journalists, we tell everyone online that this is about speed. So if you see if you see something fake, the moment you see it and you know it's fake, please alert as many people as possible. Facebook has been helpful in the sense that we are in a in something they call third party fact checking network mm-hmm. or project, where now we get. When we fact-check anything on Facebook and we find it false, we are in position to rate it as false or uh, more context needed or misleading and stuff like that. So once we do that rating, the algorithms kick in. 
and they will find similar content that this has been rated as false by a fact checker and they would link them to the article we've written about that thing, giving the facts around the statement. So if anybody shared, if anybody posted, uh, they would get that feedback. And Facebook says they reduce circulation by up to 80% uh, so that very few people see it. So it has, in a way, deterred people who post misinformation on Facebook. But now they are faking whole Facebook pages. And we had this incident where, uh, I think it happened on Twitter over the weekend, where a fake Twitter page was verified, while the original Twitter page wasn't. Wow. And so these are these are instances where we we it's just working collaboratively as fact checkers in Kenya and on the continent uh, and everywhere in the world uh, with the international fact checking network. So we and with the platforms. So we're working collaboratively, uh, trying to find out efficient ways to tackle misinformation, but we also cognizant of the limitations because we are fewer fact checkers in platforms with 2 billion people. And now trying to match that scale, we understand that we need we need AI to help us with that. And we are doing multiple projects to, to be sure that that um, works. So Google has helped us uh, funding one of the projects that we are doing uh, with uh, Full Fact in the UK and Chequiado in Argentina to do just AI to find things that we can check. Together, we, we just hope that by the time all these tools are live. Right. So that's a, those are the tips. So stay alert. Uh, that's why we tell people stay alert. Thank you. And I think that's such a great way to end that one way of stopping the spread of fake news is to fact check yourself, you know, and also make sure that you find out the source. And if you don't know what the source is, then ask, do I really need to forward this to the next person? So thank you so much, Alphonse. This has been really enlightening and just what we needed. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy. And thank you for the great work you're doing with this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's all today in No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. Thanks for listening. You can also follow me on Instagram at Nohead Podcast. Catch you next time, my friend. May you stay alert. May you fact check yourself. And may each forward stop with you. Bye-bye.